Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Friday, August 5th. You might say there was big news from the Kirsten Caucus in the United States Senate. Kirsten Cinema of Arizona made big news last night. Maybe you've heard this by now. And she announced she will support the Democrats' big bill addressing climate change, prescription drug prices, and more. For some reason, she needed a promise that hedge fund managers will get to keep a very questionable tax loophole, but she's on board. Then there's Kirsten Gillibrand, the New York senator who made news this week as her longtime quest to fund health care for veterans of war exposed to toxic burn pits finally passed the Senate. Now called the Sergeant First Class Heath Robinson, honoring our promise to address Comprehensive Toxics Act of, 19, of 2022, winner of the longest name Bill of the Week Award. Maybe you've seen Gillibrand and John Stewart campaigning for this in recent days after some Republicans who were for it decided they were against it, but then finally decided they were for it again. Half of the Kirsten Caucus is with us today for her monthly Call Your Senator segment here on The Brian Lehrer Show. And Senator Gillibrand, we always appreciate that you do this. Welcome back to WNYC. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on the call. Senator, can we take the big news from your namesake first? Senator Cinema is a yes for the so-called Inflation Reduction Act on climate, prescription drugs, Obamacare extension, a minimum tax on billion-dollar corporations, and federal deficit reduction. I think I got all the major elements in there. So is this it now? Can you say you have all 50 Democrats on board so this can pass with no Republican support? I think we can. So it's a good day, and those votes will start tomorrow at noon. Uh, But when you have a reconciliation vote, you have to take uh, votes on lots and lots of amendments. So it'll probably be a 24-hour effort. (laughs) We call these things votoramas, um, and they're exhausting, but uh, it's apparently necessary. So, But we're really excited because this is going to lower the cost of medicines that people take, especially the main medicines that a lot of our seniors take, like um, insulin, and it will lower the cost of, of gas prices and energy costs uh, and address long-term uh, global climate change. So it has a lot of really beneficial things in it, and it's something we all support. For whatever good things are in this bill, things you really cared about got taken out to appease Senators Manchin and Cinema, most notably paid family leave to not lose your income for a few months when caring for a newborn or an elderly parent. That came out, as did the beginnings of a national child care program. So President Biden's original desire to be the new FDR and really make a dent in the massive income inequality in this country got written out. How disappointed or frustrated or angry are you about any of that? Of course I'm disappointed because we did have an opportunity to have the first national paid leave program and more affordable daycare and universal um, uh, pre-K. So those things really could have helped the economy, could have helped families who struggle and really are necessary and obvious post-COVID. However, um, I'm happy to get something done and you can't have everything you want today, so we keep working on them for tomorrow. And I'm very excited to get these 
bills done to lower prescription drug prices and lower energy costs. Um, they're two of the biggest stressors that families are facing right now. And I would argue the third is childcare. So it's a shame, but uh, I'm really excited to pass the other items, and I think it's really meaningful. I'm going to keep working at the, throughout, throughout the rest of this Congress on a bipartisan solution to see if there is any room for a bipartisan paid leave program or any aspect. Um, but hopefully, with excellent efforts across the country, we can win a larger majority in the Senate, and then we would have uh, 50 people who would feel comfortable including these items in a reconciliation package. So I'm going to fight for two more senators to join our majority hmm. and hopefully get to do this package next time. You know, something like paid family leave that is so popular, it polls around 80% support, including most Republicans. Too bad it can't go up for some kind of national referendum. Like Kansas, a Republican state, as you know, just voted to preserve abortion rights. Paid family leave would probably be approved in a national popular vote if there was such a thing. So why don't the Democrats in Congress break it out as a separate piece of legislation? Maybe you've done this and then hammer the Republicans on the midterms campaign trail for opposing it despite what their constituents think. Mm, that's such a good idea. <laughs> I like that idea. Um, I'll certainly share it with Leader Schumer. Um, I also will try to find a bipartisan solution too. <laughs> so my goal is to get paid leave done as quickly and pos as, as robustly as possible. Um, and uh, I do think that it is something that all of America wants. Uh, when we poll, do you want access to a universal paid leave for all li major life events? It's always a majority of the poll polled people that are asked, and it's a majority of white Republican men. So you're, you're, it's the, the group that you would assume would be the least for it are still a majority in favor. So... And we've had good paid leave programs in a couple of big states. So we have all the data out of California. We have data out of New York. It works. People need it. They, it, it saves families and it saves their ability to provide for their kids and to sustain tough things. Um, sometimes it's a death in the family. Sometimes it's a grave illness. Sometimes it's a new baby and joyous. But we need paid leave, and every other industrialized country in the world has it. Yeah, and uh, I'm no uh, political strategist for, for any party. It was just a curious question that I had because um, it seemed like something that I would have thought would be going on. Republicans are saying the bill, as it's now written, is misleadingly named the Inflation Reduction Act because it's not about inflation. It's about all those other things that we mentioned, and they claim it will increase inflation because it's another hundreds of billions of dollars in federal spending being poured into the economy. So how and when would you argue this bill will reduce inflation? So inflation is when the cost of things rise. A lot of the uh, rise in costs um, are because of COVID, are because of supply chain, are because of price gouging. And each industry is different. Uh, but I can tell you in the drug industry, a lot of the rise in prices is because they raise prices every year. It's a lot of price gouging going on. And so this lowers the cost of drugs. That is a huge piece of inflationary pressure for families. 
The second thing it does is lower the cost of gas and energy and air conditioning and heating, and that is another huge cause of inflationary pressure on families. So both of these aspects of the bill lower costs for people, which is the definition of inflation. Um, if they're saying it doesn't affect macroeconomics, I would argue the reason the costs are so high has nothing to do with macroeconomics. It's not the traditional statement of inflation is too much money going after too few goods. That is not what's happening in America today. What's happening in America today is we just had two and a half, three years of COVID. A lot of people have left jobs that were particularly grueling and difficult, like truck driving or working in meat processing plants. And those workforce issues are causing the cost to go up. It's not about macroeconomics, and that's why going right after why the costs are going up is anti-inflation. By the way, did you see the July jobs report that came out today? A whopping 500,000 new jobs, unemployment down to 3.5%, lowest since the pandemic started, despite the economy technically shrinking in the last six months, and despite the Fed raising interest rates to cool the economy, usually they do that to cool the job market. Do you understand how these pieces fit together? I do. Um, and the reason is, is what I just answered. It's not about the macroeconomics right now. Uh, we put so much money into the economy so that the country didn't fall off a cliff. We said during the pandemic, people can't work. They don't have money to buy groceries. They don't have money to provide for their families, pay rent, stay home, stay in their homes. And we have to save the country from this pandemic. So that's why the investments that President Biden made, they worked. They really worked. They saved families, communities, companies, industries. I mean, we bailed out almost all the major industries so they didn't have to collapse or declare bankrupt, bankruptcy. So now uh, people are going back to work. They feel stable. They feel able. They are looking for new jobs. They're going into new industries. So that's why you're seeing job growth. Um, you're seeing the economy change. A lot of people have left some industries because they didn't get enough pay, they didn't have enough benefits, it was too grueling, it was too risky. Um, and so I do think the job creation is just the money we put into the economy is enough for people to start businesses, get businesses back open again, and grow things. Um, I, I do not think what's happening has anything to do with interest rates, and I don't think um, uh, the recession or the, excuse me, the um, cost of things going up, the inflationary concerns was about um, interest rates either. I think it's the only tool the Fed has, so they try to use it, but it wasn't the answer to our problem, and it's not the reason for the success. So do you um, oppose the raising of the interest rates by the Fed? I don't think it's as necessary as they do, and uh, I just think it makes it more expensive for people to buy homes, more expensive for people to buy a car or to uh, have a car lease. Uh, it just makes it things more expensive. Um, I don't think it is needed to, to keep raising the rates, but that's the Fed's job. Um, I just think the, the dynamics of what's creating the cost of things going up are very specific industry to industry and are largely caused by what happened because of COVID. Here's a question related to the COVID economy um, that uh, is hooked to what I think I saw as a story the other day that 
um, rights for medical practitioners to do telehealth, which were expanded during the pandemic so people wouldn't have to do things in person or at the height of the pandemic so people wouldn't have to do things in person, um, those loosened telehealth rules are going to go away. So here's a tweet from a listener named Marty who writes, Dietitians, especially in private practice, want to keep telehealth option. We can go into someone's kitchen via phone. Now someone a lower insurance payment. Chart and prep time is the same. Will you help keep same payments? Are you familiar with this issue? I am. As a mother who used telehealth during the pandemic, it worked wonders. Um, it was really important to be able to call our pediatrician and have those appointments over the um, computer um, when my oldest son was sick. Um, it really made a difference. Uh, so I hope telehealth stays. I think it is something that is extremely positive. Uh, it helped people. Um, and telework also helps people. You know, we can do a lot of stuff over Zoom now. For example, I just had a call with 20, 30 ladies from Westchester. And those women can't come to Washington to meet with me, but we could spend 30 minutes on a Zoom call and they could really not only ask me all the questions on their minds, but they could see their senator. So I think one of the positive um, impacts of having two and a half years of a pandemic is we did learn how to give um, health care and other services efficiently in other ways. So I really hope we can keep it. And I'm going to certainly if it needs legislative permissive language, I'm more willing to work on that. Um, I think right now it's probably up to each individual doctor's practice, but uh, I think it really, really helped. And it really helped in rural areas because if you can't get to a specialist quickly, but you could have a telehealth appointment, you might be able to save a life. You might be able to get treated. You might be able to have just better access. So I hope it's something that stays. All right, Senator, let's talk about your big win this week, the bill to fund health care for veterans of war exposed to burn pits. Remind everyone what burn pits are and why in their veterans' benefits their health care for this wasn't already covered. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous that this wasn't covered. But as some people may or may not know, over the last 20, even 30 years, um, when we sent troops to places like Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, we didn't have the ability to dispose of waste. And so they would dig massive holes in the ground and throw all waste into them, whether it was human waste or medical waste or electronics or clothing or building materials. And then they lit it all on fire with jet fuel. And unfortunately, that creates horrible toxins. They're similar to the toxins that were released when uh, at ground zero when the towers fell. And so I was very aware of the nature of these diseases and the hard um, impact that these horrible toxins have on human health. And so uh, one of the advocates, a woman named Rosie Torres, uh, had been advocating for a decade for her husband, Leroy, who couldn't breathe anymore and has become debilitated to get access to the VA. And what's so shocking is the VA has been underfunded generation after generation. But one of the things they do routinely is they deny coverage if they don't have the science or the epidemiology or the proof 
anything. I mean, any reason to deny something they deny. They denied Agent Orange for decades. Um, one of the first, the first bill I introduced in the Senate was the Blue Water Navy vets to include the Blue Water serving veterans from aircraft carriers and from um, uh, ships to be able to get the same access to Agent Orange coverage because they were denied. Well, all of these toxic exposures have been denied forever. And in burn pits particularly, 9 out of 10 are denied right now at the VA. And we know these diseases are caused by these toxins because that's what happened after 9-11. The same kind of stomach cancers, throat cancers, lung cancers, brain cancers um, are all manifesting in people in their 30s and 40s and 50s when you would never have these cancers normally. So uh, Rosie asked us to get involved. Uh, she asked John Stewart and John Field to get involved. We had just succeeded in making the 9-11 health bill permanent for all first responders and um, family members who lived at Grand Zero. And so we understood the fight and we understood the urgency. So we said, You're, you bet, we're in. And so we got to work. And we created, um, with the help of all of these veterans groups, an enormous push on Congress, an enormous furor all across the country. And it mattered uh, because one thing John Stewart and John Field can do well is lift other people's voices up. And that's exactly what they did. We told the stories of these service members, uh, families who had lost their, their service members, spouses or children, and, and explained to members of Congress that this is an outrage and they have to be covered. And after many bumps and short stops and, and defeats, we succeeded, and we got the bill done this week. And we, I think we got a vote of 86 to 11, which is pretty darn good. And this bill will be signed into law on uh, Monday. So it's, it's an example of Congress actually working. Um, it's an example of democracy actually working, where people's voices are lifted up and heard. Uh, and people fought for this. And, I mean, these veterans were down to the 11th hour. They literally stayed on the Capitol steps all weekend after a failed vote last week to make sure it passed um, the week, was a failed vote two weeks ago to make sure it passed this week. So it worked, and it, it was meaningful. And I can't thank Rosie and Leroy enough for not only asking me to be part of their team, but to uh, fight for all the people that this bill is going to save. It's going to save millions of people's lives. And congratulations on something truly bipartisan. Yes, 86 to 11, the Senate vote that I saw reported as well. But why did a bill like this, because both sides say they honor veterans, right, if they agree on nothing else, why did it take 13 years? I mean, never mind the temporary politics of the moment. Um, I think I understand what went on with Senator Toomey and some others in the last few days. Forget about that. Why did it take 13 years, the number of years I saw someone say they've been working on it, and Jon Stewart to get unfunny to pass? You know, there's a lot of challenges and needs in the country, and there's a lot of noise. And so unless Congress is made to pay attention, sometimes some of the most important issues never rise to the surface. And it's one of the reasons why I ran for president, Brian, because one of the biggest cultures of corruption in Washington is the money in politics. And so the money in politics flows, and so a lot of important issues never see the light of day, and only the moneyed interests get their issues looked at. It's just the corruption here. And so when regular people, all our veterans and their families, need something done, they don't have the fancy lobbyists. They don't have the millions of dollars to throw all over members of Congress's campaign 
coffers and they don't get hurt. So that's something that sort of the 9-11 community learned that, you know, the 9-11 bill before I got to the Senate was totally stalled. It had been lingering um, for a decade in the House, had never had a hearing in the Senate. Nothing was getting done. And so what it takes is a group of people, um, me and John Stewart and John Feel and advocates to literally not let it go and to make the climate so so fraught with certainty that you either are for this or you are against it. And if you're against it, the weight of the world is going to be on your shoulders. That's what it takes. You have to change the climate of America to pass bills like this. And that's what the service members accomplished and the veterans and their families. It's what the 9-11 first responders accomplished um, with the uh, family members and the community advocates. It's, it's, how you have to do things in this era of corruption of money and greed in Washington. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, I'm glad we do this Call Your Senator segment every month. Let's do it again in September. What do you say? Absolutely. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.